0: has to say to us, and uh, Mr. J.D. on the video, so uh, the opening question for today is, um, you have read Romans, but we're not, but what experiences do you have with reading the book of Romans?
1: Well, Paul was, was, a uh... Very explicit in the book of Romans, um, when when the way he written Romans, you know, he he broken down in four different sections. You know, Paul, you know, first he, he addressed the, the the sin nature, and and like he said that you know he didn't even know that he was a sinner written by the law. He addressed that law and grace was the issue, and and a lot of times we miss that that. that we don't want to address that, you know, that uh, if we save by grace. When, and we want to throw away the law, but the law is effective, mm-hmm. that, that, that we need the law. And then Paul wanted us to know it, it, when he moved, shift, shifted in the eighth chapter, but <coughs> therefore there's no condemnation in those that are in Christ Jesus. Uh, so... He, he wanted us to know that once you come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that there is an uh, understanding that God will cover you. He, it, it's a covering. But, but, but do I continue in sin? No, I do not. Uh, there is uh, awareness of sin in your life because you have the Holy Spirit now. Paul lets us know that you know, even though, like he said, that what a wretched man that I am, who can save me but jesus christ yes, i'm uh, I'm aware of my sin now, and I know it's jesus christ mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that 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 can save me. But I still have work to be done because Paul mm. let us know in the book of Romans that there's a battle going on within me. Mm. Y- you know, in my members, yes. I got something going on in me. Right. I got to constantly stay focused in me. Uh, Romans is a very unique book. It is. It's a, yeah. it's a very powerful book because Paul starts off in the book of Romans, the first chapter, verses 15 through 25, to let... To let People know that God put it in every man, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that Mm -hmm. there is a God, Mm -hmm. that there is awareness, that there is a living being, that there is a God almighty in heaven. That you can't lie, you can't deny, that you know that there is a God
2: Mm -hmm. in
1: heaven. So, see, Paul got directly to the nitty gritty. Romans is one of my <laughs> <laughs> favorite books, too. Mm-hmm. So, well, I could so, I could talk about Romans so all a good day. Good discussion <laughs> for
2: the
0: next several weeks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. so I'm going to stop right there.
2: Right. Well, Derek said it all for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, he mm-hmm. and I, we studied the Bible together for a week. Yeah. he said it for me but he said it for him. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 Hopefully, in the next several weeks, we can learn about this deeper mm-hmm. relationship that we can have and, mm-hmm. and that it's not just, uh, for those that are saved, with right, mm-hmm. right, you, know, you got to have that relationship. So learn how to have that relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so let's read the first seventeen. Uh, chapters. Seventeen verses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Romans chapter one, verses one through seventeen. Somebody want to start, or somebody want to read it all? Or?
2: Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, <coughs> called to be an apostle, separate separate to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are, the, are called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead, Deborah. From Excuse me. First, I thank my God through
3: Jesus Christ for you all. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you, for I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end ye may be established, Pammy.
2: <laughs> we calling on each other. Take it oh. from there, Pammy.
3: Oh would you left oh. what Would you left off? She starts at the uh, twelve. Twelve verse. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be on a- Unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a.
2: Lord,
3: in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles, I am obligated both to the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish.
0: This is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God Mm -hmm. that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. All right. So I like how it just, you uh, know, we, we just came out of Advent. So we, you know, we talked about, heard about the birth of Christ. And right away at the beginning it talks about, you know, the Son right away. So I thought this would be a good transition for us to just go right into to Romans and uh, to see what Paul has to say to us uh, again through the next several weeks. Alright, let's watch the video, and the first three questions on your paper um, are uh, to be looked for in the video. So who is the primary audience Paul is addressing? Most of us have probably guess that already, but um, why did Paul want very much to see those in the Rome church? And what three words does Paul use to show his contentment, or his commitment, sorry, to getting the gospel to Rome? So the first three there, what to look for in the video.
4: That are um, that are very important to the early church, or to the to the. Welcome you to the study of what many regard to be the most important book ever written on the Christian faith, the book of Romans. Filmed on location right here in Rome, at locations that are um, that are very important to the early church or to the to the birth of the faith itself. Many great Christian scholars throughout history have felt that that Romans is the main and most important thing to study in the Bible. Martin Luther said that Romans was the most important part of the New Testament and that its central premise. Justification by faith alone was the doctrine on which the church rises and falls. St. Augustine in the in the 5th century said that in Romans all the shadows of his doubt were dispelled. Did you know, study of this book has been behind almost every major awakening in Christian history. Study of this book launched the, the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century under Martin Luther and John Calvin. Uh, study of this book launched the Great Awakening with Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley. It was a study of this book that ushered us into the era of modern missions. In the book of Romans, Paul lays out a logical case for why the gospel and the gospel alone is the answer to humanity's problems. And he shows us what the implications of the gospel are for, for every area of our lives. Did you know that Paul's logic in this book is so meticulous that for the first hundred or so years of the Harvard Law School, First-year students were required to work their way through the book of Romans because of the careful way in which Paul builds his argument. Romans is the clearest, most in-depth look at the gospel in all of Scripture. But, and here is where most people miss the boat, the book is not just written to explain the gospel to unbelievers. It's primarily a book written to Christians to take Christians deeper into the gospel. Okay. That's your first answer? Look at Paul's opening greeting there Verse 7 He says to all who are in Rome Loved by God called as saints Who's he writing to? He's writing to the saints Many Christians assume that the gospel is only for Unbelievers. They assume the gospel is just the entry right into Christianity, the prayer that we pray to begin the Christian life, the ABCs of Christian faith. But Paul is going to show us that in the gospel are not only the resources to begin the Christian life, but also the resources to grow in it. It's not just the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A through Z. In Romans 1.16, Paul says the gospel is The power of God into salvation not contains the power of God or channels the power of God but is itself the power of God consider this the gospel is the only thing in the New Testament other than Jesus himself that is referred to directly as the power of God you know Rome was a place obsessed with power you can feel their pride and their military and, and political machinery. These massive buildings, uh, never before heard of architectural feats, they just, they just scream power. But this was a new kind of power that Paul was speaking of to the most powerful city, the most powerful empire of its time. He's talking about the power of God unto salvation, the power to forgive the sinner, the power to heal his sin-sick heart, which Rome, for all its grandeur, could not touch. Here's what the book of Romans teaches to Christians. It's only by going deeper into Jesus do you gain more power for the Christian life. You see, the gospel is not just a diving board off of which we jump into the pool of Christianity. The gospel is the pool itself. Or to use Martin Luther's example, the gospel is like a well. You don't get the best water from a well by widening the circumference of the well. You get the best water by going Deeper into the well. Right. The same thing is true for the gospel, Martin Luther said. You want the the, the best and the richest water. It's it's not by going wider, but by going deeper. And interestingly, Paul has a very practical problem that he's trying to address in his letter to the Romans, and that is the division of, of Jews and Gentiles of the Church of Rome. You see, the original church had consisted of Jews and Gentiles, with mostly Jews being in leadership, and so the church basically had Jewish customs and. Jewish viewpoints on various social issues and use Jewish style music, but then Emperor Claudius ordered all the Jews, Jewish Christians included, to get out of Rome. You can read about this, by the way, in Acts um, 18, the first couple of verses in that chapter. Well, after five years, the Jews were allowed to come back, and so they rejoined the church, but now, having been gone five years, the Gentiles have been running the church by themselves um, for nearly five years. You can imagine the trauma that, that this created. I mean, what would that be like in your church? You know, you, the people who are in leadership leave and they come back and people from some other culture have taken over and now they're trying to get along again. Paul's going to show them why in the gospel and the gospel alone is the power to create a new community based on a new humanity where former enemies and former rivals love each other and, and historical adversaries can get along and, and how they can learn to be. And from different cultures and diverse places, they can learn to be one people in Christ. In verses 14 through 17, Paul explains to the Romans he's writing to why he's so committed to getting the gospel there, even though it would likely cost him his life. And in these verses, he uses three very powerful words to describe his commitment to the gospel. In verse 15, he says, I am eager to bring the gospel there to Rome. Even though Paul knew that coming here would likely lead to his imprisonment and death, in fact, I'm here at a place called St. Paul's Outside the Walls. It's the second largest church in Rome, and it's a, a, a church built to commemorate the burial of the Apostle Paul. Um, tradition has it that it's his bones that are buried right there among the altar. Paul knew in his mind that, that his journey to Rome would likely end not with celebration, but with martyrdom, which it did, and then, and, and then death. The Romans did not like Jesus' claim that Paul kept repeating that Jesus was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They didn't like that because that's how Caesar saw himself. On many of the buildings throughout Rome, you're going to see that epitaph carved in the seal at the top. It'll say, Caesar, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus' claim was viewed as a threat, and likely Paul repeating Jesus' claim was going to cost Paul his life, and Paul knew that, yet Paul was still eager to get the gospel to Rome. And that's because he believed Jesus could provide something that Caesar could not. And that is the forgiveness of sins and the power of of new life, the power of of life after death. In verse 14, Paul says he feels like he has to do this. He Mm -hmm. has to come to Rome because he is, the word he uses, under obligation to the Romans. Uh, Some translations will say debtor there. Mm -hmm. and That's our second word, if you're taking notes. Debtor, he's eager, now he's a debtor. Paul feels like he is indebted to the Romans to get the gospel of them. But here's the thing. Paul's never even met most of these Romans. How, how could he feel indebted to somebody that he's never even met? Well, see, Paul knew that the gospel was a message of extraordinary value and that he himself, Paul says, I don't deserve to know anything about it, but because I do, I'm obligated to get it to those who don't know it yet. You see, there's two ways that you can be in debt to somebody. You can owe somebody money because you borrowed it, or you can owe them money because somebody else gave you money to give to them. Mm -hmm. Say you work for Feed the Children, and and you've been given a huge donation of a million dollars. You're indebted to the children to get that money to them. That's That's not your money. You owe it to the children to get it to them. Well, see, that's how Paul thought about the gospel message. He knew. I was no more worthy to hear this message about the offer of forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Jesus than anybody else in the world. But God blessed me with it. And with the privilege of hearing the gospel comes the responsibility of spreading it. Mm -hmm. To not do that, Paul said, is is robbing Jesus of what I owe to him and depriving others of what I owe to them as well. So I am Mm -hmm. under obligation. I'm a debtor. Paul is eager. He feels like a debtor. And finally, verse 16, Paul says, I am unashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Unashamed means that I'm willing to testify to it, willing to be scorned for it, willing to suffer and to die for it, willing to stake my whole reputation on it. Why? Why, you ask? Because Because it and it alone, he says, is the power of God. It's God's one plan of salvation, his only way. It's how God rescues us from sin and renews us in his image. The gospel reveals, Paul says in verse 17, the way that we become righteous, the only way that we become righteous in God's sight. The revolutionary news of the gospel, Paul said, is that God's righteousness is not something we earn. God's righteousness is something given to us as a gift to all of us who will receive it by faith. <clears throat> Martin Luther, the great reformer, um, in, the, in, in the 16th century said that everything in Romans hinges on our understanding of that word righteousness in verse 17. Martin Luther said, I always assumed that to be righteous in God's eyes meant that I was good enough to earn his approval and, and, and good enough, to, righteous enough to escape his judgment. And because of that, Luther said, I hated that word, the righteousness of God, which I've been taught to understand is the righteousness with which God punishes the unrighteous sinner. Nevertheless, he said, I pressed into Paul's teaching in Romans, most ardently desiring to know what he meant, what Paul meant by the good news of the gospel. And at last, by the mercy of God, I began to understand, listen to this, that the righteousness of God is the righteousness with which the merciful God justifies us by faith. It's a gift. Here I felt I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. I want you to learn this term as we begin our our, our study. Gift righteousness. It's maybe the most important concept in Romans. God's righteousness given to us as a gift. Not a righteousness, a standard that we're judged by, but righteousness given as a gift. The righteousness Paul talks about in Romans is not righteousness you earn. It's righteousness given. Understanding that, as Martin Luther said, takes you through the very gates of paradise itself. Most people believe that salvation is something that you have to work for, and you're good enough for, and you earn. Paul says it's something that you receive. You accept it as a gift by faith. Get this, the word gospel was not an exclusively religious word um, when Paul started to use it. It just meant an announcement of good news. Whenever a Roman general successfully defeated an enemy, he would send out a, what they called a gospel message, throughout the Roman countryside, announcing that he had won a battle. And he was telling the people, you no longer need need to be afraid. There's nothing left to fear. Your enemies are defeated and you are free. The Roman general's gospel was not an announcement to come and fight or a summons to pay money. It was an announcement that this general, good news, that he had already won. The gospel is not good advice on how to fight the spiritual battle. It's good news that the battle has already been won christ gospel it is an announcement that jesus has finished the payment for our sin he's resurrected and given us new life and when you believe that his righteousness and new life becomes yours believing this message paul says releases us from the penalty of sin and then as we continue to believe it it releases us from the power of sin you see that phrase there in verse 17 at the end of it it is from faith to faith mm-hmm. the christian life paul says is from faith to faith. It's faith in the finished work of Christ that releases you from the penalty of sin, and then as you continue to go deeper into it, continue to believe it, by faith it releases you from the power of sin also. All the transformation that we need in our hearts, all the power to live a righteous life, those things are not found by summoning up our willpower. It's found by plunging ourselves deeper into the news of what Christ finished for us. It's like a friend of mine often says, The fire to do in the Christian life comes only from being soaked in the fuel of what has been done. This gift is offered, Paul says, to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, also to the Greek. Everybody, everyone, that's a big old word. It just means that there's nobody in any circumstances who's disqualified from it. Jews had a hard time understanding how Gentiles could be saved. They were such bad sinners. They were oppressors. Paul says, yeah, but this gospel is offered to them too. Mm-hmm. The Romans had perverse sexual practices, of messed up, dysfunctional families. Mm-hmm. Paul says, yeah, but it's offered to them too. Mm-hmm. This gospel is the power of God to salvation to anyone who believes, no matter how messed up their lives are. See, maybe you're in that category. You say, J.D., you have no idea how damaged I am, how, how, how much I've messed up my life, and how much hurt I've caused to other people. Friend, i got good news. The gospel is a power of God offered to you. The same power that brought Jesus' body out of the grave is, in this gospel, that power for your salvation and healing, if you're ready to receive it. No wonder Paul was eager to get this message to Rome. So my question for you as we begin is this. Have you received this gospel? Are you unashamed of it? Are you ready to study it with an earnestness that will not only transform your life, but burn in your heart until you're eager to share it with others, until not even the threat of death itself can make you keep your mouth shut about it. If so, why not start off our time together by asking God to open your eyes to see the wondrous riches of what He's given us in the gospel? The fire to do in the Christian life is going to come only from being soaked in the fuel of what has been done. Yes.
0: So, who's the primary audience? (coughs) All (coughs) is addressed. Excuse me. And why why did Paul want very much to see those of the Roman church? That part. Why did Paul want very much to see those in the Roman church? He wanted them to see grow, faithful, right? The people work. Yeah.
1: He wanted to bring them the gospel. Yeah,
0: bring them the gospel. why wanted them to grow. The only way they can grow is to be in the church, mm-hmm. learning the word, hearing the word, hearing the gospel, being taught.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then we catch all three words. Eager, yes. debtor, yeah.
1: and not ashamed. not ashamed. I want to add one more word. Sure. Because uh, knowing how Paul got to Rome, I he, 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 it was Paul's destiny. Yeah. Because he, uh, uh, he was dedicated to his cause. Because Paul never, he, he didn't have to go to Rome. Uh, Because Paul could have been set free. Because Paul, you know, he said that that Paul went there and, and, you know, he got there uh, knowing that he was going to be in chains. But Paul went there in chains. That's how he got to Rome. He was already locked up. And Paul could have been set free because Philip told him if he had not appealed to Augustus Caesar, he could have been set free. But Paul appealed to Caesar to get to Rome. He did everything he could to get to Rome. So uh, he was dedicated and, and determined to fulfill his, his destiny, to preach to the Roman church. Right. Mm-hmm. He wanted to preach to Rome. He wanted to get to Rome by any means necessary, and he put himself in that position to get to Rome.
0: Yeah, yeah. a plan set in motion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: So J.D. opened the session by saying that in Romans, Paul makes a case for why the gospel is the answer to humanity's problems. What are some of humanity's most important problems today? This question's not on your paper, but.
3: What,
0: was the question? what, what are some of humanity's most prominent problems today? Um, so, if Paul was here today, if he was in coming to the portage,
3: mm-hmm.
0: what are some problems that he would address?
3: Uh, some of the main problems that stand <clears throat> today is racism, and and it's a lot of it around here. Yep. Um, money. The things that people will say and do and accept for money is absolutely horrible. And, and, you know, I always say my motto is, uh, some things are not worth it. Some of the things that you go, Chris, it's not worth it. And I hear a lot of people when we're in church and they're they're discussing idols, but money can become an idol to them.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a
3: dollar tree right there. Yeah. So, you know, people have to work on it because I don't care anything about money. Yeah. I worked 40 years to maintain being poor. Yeah. I'm still poor, but I'm not destitute. Uh-huh. So that's God right there. Yeah. I'm not destitute. I'm poor. Yeah. I eat every day. It might not be what I want to eat.
0: Yeah, I hear you. But I eat every day. I had a chicken patty sandwich last night. <laughs> I know that's right, honey. I have got nothing to make here, toast and eggs. Uh, yeah,
3: you know. But yeah. I had something, <laughs> I you know. The but those, those, those are some of the main things, right there,
4: to me. Don't
1: feel bad. That, I that eat I a lot see.
3: of waffles. Mm -hmm. Waffles. I eat a lot of waffles. Do
1: you? Yeah.
3: I like. I'm a pancake girl myself. Yeah. Yeah, My daughter likes to make them and feed me. See? Mm -hmm. But yeah, those those are some of the three uh, main problems that I see in Forties today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, he would have to address the, you know, the politicians oh, yeah. he would have to ad- uh, address the school mm-hmm. issue with uh, the homosexuality Ooh. the alternative lifestyles that they put upon the, the children yeah. the, the, the taking out God out of the school systems yeah. uh, he would have to address the, uh, the lack of uh, leadership with the children, Mm -hmm. themselves, you know, Uh, he would have to address uh, uh, the the churches coming together, uh, standing up together for Christ Jesus, because the the church itself Mm -hmm. has taken Mm -hmm. uh, Christ out of the church. We Mm -hmm. have uh, uh, nominated... uh, Homosexuals to be bishops and and uh, and, 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 and different denominations and uh, have lesbians um, being pastors in different denominations and things of that nature. So Paul would have to address the the, the follies of uh, the destiny of the church itself, but. It, it would also be in accordance with what the Word of God has written. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the Bible has written these things was going to come to pass. Right. So he would have to be also preaching that we have to be getting ready mm-hmm. for the coming of the Messiah. Right. Mm-hmm. So Paul would have to also be preaching that we would have to be be on alert to be getting make sure that we are saved. You know, letting the people know that salvation is at hand, that God is is ready to come back. Mm-hmm. And if, if he was preaching, you know, Paul would be adamant about get saved. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what he would be adamant about. Make sure your salvation is at hand. That's right. And but it, you
3: know what? Be saved. You know what, Reverend Hill? Oh, yeah. They also have to go after these law makers. Because our laws are supposed to be governed by the Bible. Bible. Mm -hmm. And these lawmakers, these presidents, and don't get me wrong, because I love me some Barack Obama. That's what you call Barack Obama. (laughs) (laughs) I love me some Barack Obama, but there are things and laws that were passed by him Mm -hmm. that I do not agree with. I don't think two men should be able to marry each other. Mm-hmm. I don't think Mm-mm. two women should be able to marry each other. That's
2: horrible.
3: And I don't, and so now I don't it's think a that law? if
2: you choose that you want to be a woman, if you're a man, that you should have the right to go in the women's bathroom. And Obama made that an open thing that they could do it. And see, mm, my That's why understanding, I said, send them, send them in there with your daughter and your wife. Come on now. uh, Because from my understanding, before
3: they even give you that sex change, you have to live two or three years dressing up as a man or a woman. You walk in that bathroom on me and pull out a penis. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna tell but, but, And yet God. still, and yet
2: still God commanded us mm-hmm. to love them. Yep. He just wants us to hate the sin. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. God hates sin. It's a sin he hates. Mm-hmm. I talked to many of lesbians and homosexuals and say, But why God hate us? Or why did he destroy mm-hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah? I said he didn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of just homosexuality destroyed it because of the sin that was there. That's right. Because of the sin that was there. I mean, he had murderers, drunkards, all of those. Mm -hmm. But but some people
3: do only look at it Mm -hmm. as it's addressing homosexuality. Homosexuality. Mm -hmm. And it's not. It's not. He, He... Tore it up for all
0: of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I can see Paul shaking his head and pounding yeah. his fist <clears throat> and beating his head against the wall and stressing. Uh-huh. You know, but yeah, he would have a lot to uh, a lot to preach about, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So looking at the beginning of the, the book, Paul has a lengthy greeting. Who is Paul addressing his letter to? Way well, he addressing his letters to the Christians no,
1: in 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 Rome. Yes, it's written to uh, Christians. Th- th- uh, yeah, he, in Rome to the to, to the small wish. gathering mm-hmm. yes. that, that that's in Rome. There, mm-hmm. the church that that that's in Rome. Because he's trying to get there. Right. Uh, uh, he didn't know if he was gonna get there when he wrote the letter. He he's, he's fighting his way there. He didn't know how he was gonna get there <laughs> at the time that he wrote it because he, he was he, he wrote it from prison yeah that's one of his prison epistles yep. uh, so he didn't he didn't know if he was going to get there how he wrote it as a letter of encouragement mm-hmm. and a teaching in fact, but he didn't know how he was going to get there he didn't know if he was going to get out of prison that time right
0: so what do you think it means to be called by Jesus Christ? What do you think that term? What do you
1: think it means to be called? God, God equips us, e- each one of us, with gifts. We have, all of us have mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. So each one of us has a gift, a talent that God gives us that we can use for kingdom building. But then there's a calling And that particular thing as a calling is God has placed you in a particular thing that you are to do. God said this is for you to do and you only. God told Abraham that I want you to do this particular thing because his father failed to do it. His father was supposed to go and be the one that done this particular thing. But his father stopped in a particular Mm -hmm. place and died there Mm -hmm. because he wouldn't go no further. So he called Abraham to do it. He brought him to do it, to go further with it and keep on going. Just like Moses had a calling on his life Mm -hmm. to continue to do what he was called to do. David had a calling on his life. A calling is when God sets you out on a particular mission that you need to fulfill. Now, once he called you to do a thing, he has equipped you to do it. Yeah. Now, you cannot fulfill it and your life will be in shambles. Mm-hmm. Yes. You will yeah. be, you, your life will be a terrible sight to see. Because you're going to die in mess Mm and misery Mm -hmm. because you didn't go to the fulfillment for which God has called you to do. He has equipped you to do a thing. He called you to do it. And you will have the that don't mean that you're going to have riches.
2: Right. Don't mean
1: you're going to have the big mansion, the big house. It just means you're going to have enjoyment mm-hmm. in this particular fulfillment thing, of- fulfillment mm-hmm. and, and peace with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where you need to have your life, is peace between you and God. And God will open doors for you in what he calls you to do. Does equip us.
2: I can testify to that. Yep, it's the truth.
3: <laughs> well, how do some people uh, know when they're called and know what it is that God has for them to do? Because, what? see, me myself, let me finish by <laughs> me myself, I ask God to come into my heart because there are times that uh, it's just been a lot of malice in my heart because I've been good to people and they want to tear me down. But my sisters say, pray and let God handle it. And sometimes it's hard to do. But I ask God to show me the way. And I'm one of those people that when he shows it to me, I take his word. A lot of people ask God to show them the way. And if it's a way that they don't want to see or don't want to do, then they don't they don't want to do it and that's why they have a problem but if he shows me whether i want to see it or not i'm I'm gonna go by what he shows me that's what i'm so how do we you know
2: know what number one is uh uh, having a relationship with god when the holy spirit lives inside of you you'll know because it convicts you i could go to want to do something wrong or say something wrong god be somewhere wrong or drink or eat something wrong, the Holy Spirit will convict your heart. God will speak to you in a way that you don't even understand it, but He just will. you your gift that God give you. A lot of people say, I don't know, but read enough Bible, pray enough and speak to God enough and God'll show you what you're supposed to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and some people he give many gifts, yes. he give more than one. And mm-hmm. and your
1: calling will reveal itself. Self-
2: Mm-hmm. by
1: his, by his own direction mm-hmm. and with, with see you have to understand that a calling is not something that that you can push yourself into that you want to do this right. nine times out of ten a person's calling is something that they don't want to do right this is not something that you normally say that I want to do this is not something that you say I'm good at.
2: Mm-hmm. This is
1: not something you say. Hey, just wake up one morning. Right. Hey, I'm a I'm a great truck driver. So my uh-huh. calling is uh-huh. I'm gonna be a truck driver. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, this is not something that you that mm-hmm. that, that that you say. Hey, I'm, mm-hmm. this is something I want to do for God. No. A calling going to be something that you, nine times out of ten, is uncomfortable in doing. God is going to take you out of your comfort zone and place you where he wants you. Where he can use you because he's going to use all of your past experiences. Mm-hmm. All of your past deeds that he's going to take from you and put you in a place where all of that stuff going to be used. The same way he did with Joseph mm-hmm. You remember yeah. the story of Joseph mm-hmm. Joseph went through He was his father's favorite And he went through All that stuff with his brothers His brothers hated him mm-hmm. His brothers threw him In a pit uh,
2: sold They him. Sold, sold, him. sold him
1: to mm-hmm. All that and, and then he ended up going to The, the man's house Being a great Worker And went from a great worker to a woman trying to sexually have him. He had to run out the house. Then she lied on him. He ended up in, in, in prison for over 12 years. And then he told two men, he said, listen, Mm -hmm. I'm going to help y'all. I'm going to decipher your dreams, but don't forget about them while I'm here. And the man forgot about him for two years, Uh, left him in jail. For two years until the king Mm -hmm. had a dream himself. Oh yeah, listen, there's a man in jail. Uh He told me Mm -hmm. about my dreams. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you about him. And then one day, the man went from the jail That's right. to the White House. That's he right. Beca- That's my favorite he be- right here. He, be- he right. became prime minister Show of the did. land. Show and him. then he was that same man that became the savior of Israel. Mm-hmm.
2: That was that faith and forgiveness that, that forgiveness. Joseph had that faith, said, and faith and forgiveness. forgiveness.
1: But God used all yeah. of his paths for him to be able to run. The country yeah. mm-hmm. he had to use all of that fortitude all of that teaching all of that knowledge that he gained all of that learning how to be patient mm-hmm. all of that training on how to be a, a strength and power to run a country he had to learn that through all of his procedures that he went through
2: Yeah, so, sure
1: so God going to use all that he put you through in your calling mm-hmm. so, so your calling will be determined by what God put you through that's how you know your calling God is not going to put you in a place where you're comfortable he's going to put you in a place where he done put you through where he can use you mm-hmm. it's not for you, you, away, or you yeah. Yeah. it's, it's train, not for you and... it's for him mm-hmm. it's for his glory not your glory.
0: In lieu of time, wrap this up here, sorry, 1025. Um, so in your daily life, something to think about as we close, how can you practice living by faith? So maybe it's something to, to pray about this week, or read on, and uh, read through this first chapter again, and think about that. In your daily life, how can you practice living by faith? Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for your study. We thank you for Paul and his words. And Father, we just ask that uh, just now you begin to open our hearts to what uh, this book has to say to us and how we can we can be better Christians because of what Paul uh, went through and what he has to say to us. Father, we ask you to bless us. Father, we ask you to be with those that are not here today. Father, uh, be with uh, uh, Debbie as she wasn't feeling well again this morning. And uh, Father, we just ask that you uh, be with Ruby as well as uh, she took a spill yesterday, and Father, we're thankful for no broken bones, but she's a little, little sore, but uh, we are thankful for your head mm. protection on her. And Father, we say to bless us as we uh, go into your worship service and and uh, just bless your words and open our hearts to what you have to say to us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 <laughs>